welcome to Clerically Speaking. I am Father Anthony Sharapa, and we have a special episode today because I'm here with special people. Now, before I introduce you guys, uh, I, I just want you to know that um, sometimes some of our listeners, especially some of the moms and dads, get kind of frustrated with the podcast because I often talk about video games, and they probably have children who play too many video games. But in my experience, video games has been wonderful because I have met cool people like you. So I have on the podcast here two people that I met over our Destiny 2 clan, a Catholic clan. <laughs> if you don't know what Destiny 2 is, uh, we shoot aliens on the internet. It's it's a great time. So I have Bear and Pio. Welcome to the podcast, guys. How are you doing? Hi, Hi. Father. We're doing good. <laughs> good. I'm glad. So I almost know nothing about you guys, except <laughs> that you're both super cool. And you're good at video games, but also that you guys had kind of a crazy conversion experience. Is that right? Yes. We have had a long journey back to God. That is true. All right. Well, uh, how about start with um, what was your guys' faith life uh, growing up? Did you start off Christian or what was the deal? Um, well, I was uh, raised, uh, my family was Southern Baptist. They weren't really um, consistent churchgoers. Um, but we were definitely Southern Baptist, and uh, I even worked in youth ministry for a little bit um, in my early college years, 1920, 21, right around that, before uh, going astray, so as it were, so. Mm -hmm. And Bear? Uh, I was raised in a very um, conservative and traditional Southern Episcopalian church. Um, we're we're talking um, about as Anglo-Catholic as you can get. I was I was a acolyte altar boy uh, from the time I was a wee lad all the way through high school. Um, we had altar rails, organ, choir. You know, uh, we couldn't touch the uh, the sacrament. I mean, we kneeled at communion. Um, so it was. I, I went just about every Sunday. My family was much more church going. Um, my father converted from Lutheran to Episcopalian probably in my middle school years. And then we were very active mm -hmm. after that. Um, I actually went to divinity school after college. Oh. And uh, I would say that that's where everything fell apart for me. <laughs> <laughs> you went to divinity school to be a cleric and then everything went bad. <laughs> and everything went bad. Everything Is this uh, before or after you guys met? How did you guys meet? Oh, uh, we, that was long before we met. We met, okay. what, about 15 years ago this year? About 15 years ago, we were in an, in an occult transhumanist vampire group, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. Let's get right into it. <laughs> I was just going to say, we discovered later that we had met on two other occasions um, when we were much younger, once when we were teenagers, and then once on spring break as college students. So we had an opportunity twice to actually, you know, pursue a relationship and stuff. But of course, as, yeah, we didn't do that. So many years later, there we were. Yeah, so you just said a bunch of words and then ended with cult. Can you say that again? What was <laughs> what was your your fun club? I I was a very high-ranking inner order member of a what would be called a left-hand path, a satanic um, vampire temple. And they had some pretty interesting beliefs that's the best way to put it um they believed in two realities um one side of reality was normal and atheistic even and was all about power in the real world manipulation of people um gaining power gaining money um using petty mortals the little humans for your ends uh, the other side, however, was in their minds a kind of psychodrama of the supernatural. But in reality, it was supernatural. Yeah. Um, it was um, 
everything from astral projection, dream manipulation and, and travel, um, ritual connection with what they would call uh, gods. They had their own, what they would call vampiric gods that guided them. Uh, oh yeah, they they had something guiding them, it, <laughs> but they weren't <laughs> they weren't God. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so before we get more into like what the actual beliefs and stuff were, so uh, Pia, how did you go from from uh, did you say Southern Baptist to uh, vampire? What's what's um, what's that journey like? The, well, it is a journey, and I, I people that I've talked to about this, I I talk about this um, a lot. Um, is that you know, yeah, there are those outliers who may go, yeah, I'm going to be a Satan worshiper. And they, they just, you know, and, and they go for it. And, you know, they immediately are like the left-hand path. That's for me. Um, but I, I've told people, you know, demons play a long game. They have a person's whole life, you know, to them, that's a very short period of time. And so most people are, it's a progressive journey, like what I experienced, you know, um, I had a bad experience with a, a young man that I was dating in my 20s um, that uh, he was using the church kind of as a way to get to me. And it caused a lot of turmoil in the church. This was a Southern Baptist church. So if I, 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 I like to think if I'd been in a Catholic church, maybe there'd been a little bit more structure to deal with something like this happening, but there wasn't in that. And uh, I ended up leaving and I, but I, I had this, I still wanted to be spiritually connected. I mean, when I was very, very small, uh, I had a very, very, very intense and deep relationship with Jesus to the point that when I would go to the like nursery and preschool with my grand great grandmother who worked there, um, I wouldn't play with the other kids. I sat there and I would look at this picture of Jesus the whole time. And she would be like, go play with the kids. And I'm like, you know, I'm busy, leave me alone. And it was that picture that we all know of Jesus with the little kids, you know, on his lap and, and all that. And I was just really devoted to that. And so when I left the church, I felt this, I wanted to still be spiritually connected to something. And I started looking at alternative religions. Um, New Age, Wicca was just, I mean, back then there wasn't Wicca 101. You had to like make up all your own stuff. Basically, there were very few sources and stuff available. And uh, so I started pursuing that. And then um, it, it wasn't enough. I started looking at just straight up witchcraft. <clears throat> and I got involved in that. And then eventually, um, you know, ended up in this organization looking for something that was more spiritually real. I just always felt like everything wasn't satisfying that desire, you know. Yeah. And then by the time we got together, um, we went through a really bad financial situation. I mean, it, it got really, really bad. And I ended up turning directly to working with um, demons that were not even pretending like they were anything else, not even behind a mask or anything, because I was desperate for help with this financial thing. And by that point, you know, um, our culture is very big right now about making you appreciate the underdog, you know, and Satan has been cast as this person that has been done wrong by God, that he's just misunderstood. And if you have any kind of history, family history, social history, where you can identify as being the misfit, and let's face it, most of us can at some point, you know, and you start kind of accepting that theory that, well, maybe, you know, he, he was just cast wrong or he was misunderstood or something. It becomes very easy to do things that you would think that you would never in a million years do. You know, um, I had gotten initiated into Santeria um, there towards the end as well. Um, and so, yeah, it was a long journey. <laughs> I didn't start out yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, and then Bear, what about you? Um, when I was in college, I'd started out pre-med and uh, sophomore year decided it was just too much of a grind for me. I was finally free from uh, rigors of high school and my family. <laughs> and I had a girlfriend and I wanted more time with her. And I had guys that I played D&D with and I wanted more time with them. And I didn't want eight o'clock classes anymore. And um, I fell in love with philosophy and uh, became a philosophy and history double major. 
And um, I started at that point believing that I was an atheist. That's the best way to put it, because it is a belief, <laughs> just as anything else is. And I had been introduced to, I had a, I had a wacky father. I love him, but he was, um, I would have to say that he was a Gnostic Christian hmm. in that sense. He had been a Freemason. He was a Rosicrucian. He meditated from the early 60s throughout his entire life. He had books on the shelf of everything from uh, the Magus by Barrett to Carl Jung's collected works to you name it. He was an English professor and a linguist. I grew up with mythology and Arthurian legends and cinema that he would do at the college and stuff. And my mom was a pretty straight-laced Episcopalian, nothing. I don't think she to this day really believes in anything supernatural, but she's <laughs> born again and she is a Christian now fully. Um, but I remember talking to my minister, my priest in college, and I said, I have no idea what I'm going to do after I graduate. And he said, well, you should become a minister. And I laughed and I said, well, you know, why? And he said, well, you're good with people. And you like psychology. I mean, you could do counseling and stuff with people. He said, and the church needs more atheists. And that's an interesting. <laughs> isn't that an interesting thing for an Episcopalian <laughs> priest to say? Yeah. And uh, I ended up, for whatever reason, um, as fate would have it, or God's direction, I ended up at Yale Divinity School. And uh, I did two years there, and that was my first time. I grew up in a very small town in Western North Carolina. We're talking less than 8,000 people. And the next thing I know, I was in New Haven, Connecticut. And that was the biggest city I'd ever been in in my life. Mm -hmm. And I was exposed to everything. And by the end of my second year at Divinity School, I was getting up at 4.30 in the morning to go sit Zazen across the street with a Korean Buddhist group. I'd come back and go to chapel, then I'd go to class, then I'd eat lunch, usually go off and have sex with my Wiccan girlfriend before I'd come back for more class, and then I'd go and sit Zazen again. And on every Friday, I'd go to mass with my best friend who was a Catholic who lived next door to me. And he would chase me around the library with a heretic stamp. He's like, you're a heretic. You're a heretic. Like, Get away from me. I am not. I'm a free thinker. Leave me alone. And um, by that point, obviously, I was getting spiritually confused. I mean, I was hobnobbing in New York City with the likes of the owner of Magical Child, which was a big occult bookstore. I was up in Salem with my Wiccan girlfriend meeting Lori Cabot, who was a well-known witch at the time. Pia knows who she is, of course. Oh, yeah, I know. I know Lori Tabbitt. And um, I, I came to the conclusion that everything was psychological, that none of it was real, that there couldn't possibly be a God. There couldn't possibly be. If there were all these different paths and whatnot, then none of it could be real. So um, I actually left Divinity School and I did become a psychotherapist. It's been about 25, 30 years in the field. Hmm. Um but because nothing was real, I kept trying to go deeper into finding what was real, what was spiritual. And uh, I kind of had one side of myself that was the therapist and respectable and went and did Tibetan Buddhist things and Zen Buddhist things. And the other side of me was not as respectable and it was tied in with sex and at one point some drugs and uh, lots of sinful behavior and that was the occult side and mm -hmm. i got involved with everything from santeria as pia was uh palamayombe um i was involved in uh i was in the hermetic order of the golden dawn for many years um and then i had started like pia said you 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 start heading into a direction that you don't think that's where you're starting. Mm -hmm. And so about, I'd say about five years before I met her, I um, had begun to experience some health problems and I didn't really think anything of it. I was in my early to mid thirties 
And, um, but by the time I was 40, I was diagnosed with a pituitary tumor. And I, when she and I met, I was just about to start chemotherapy. Wow. Um, my, ex-wife was an alcoholic and I was no fun once I, you know, couldn't go clubbing and go to strip clubs and go to bars and do all that kind of stuff. And, um, so during those four or five years of turmoil, I started going into darker and darker magics, you know, left-hand pass, satanic, um, uh, vampiric, you name it. And I had entered the temple with the idea that things were psychological. Um, but as I explored their magic, so to speak, um, I started to realize something was there, but I still tried to write it off as being powers, latent psychic powers of the mind. Mm -hmm. That would be the best way to put it. I'm, I'm projecting things. I'm, I'm dreaming while awake. I didn't really see that figure in the mirror in the dark, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, with, by candlelight that, that there, that was something inside my own head there. That wasn't a real entity. And boy, was I wrong, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, like I said, by the time P and I met, I had, um, it was a hierarchical structure, much like all Masonic occult groups are. You get initiated to newer and newer degrees. You go higher and higher in the organization. You become a part of the leadership. And at that point I was, I was, I was a big wig, I guess, <laughs> in that organization. <laughs> I was an adept. And, yeah you know, and a part of an inner order of Prometheus, it was called and, and everything. And um, that's when she and I met. So uh, I think it was in our first year of the podcast, we did an episode um, with uh, talking about angelology, yeah. demonology, uh, a little bit of the occult. Um, uh, we've also done an episode, uh, one episode on uh, masonry and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and the tricky thing about this, these conversations that we're having is I want to learn more about what you guys went through, but at the same time, there's always that danger of curiosity. Does that make sense? And sensationalization. Yeah. Yes. And sensationalizing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so we, uh, we have struggled with that, you know, as well. Um, so I, I mean, I guess I'm a little bit choosy about who I talk to about that because, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I don't want them to be and it's true i mean people have different things i mean you know you'll see on on catholic twitter you know debates raging about like you know uh hogwarts and you know that whole mm -hmm. harry potter series and and things like that and and really you should I mean, never listen to rock and roll it's of the devil yeah, yeah but yeah. you know people have different people have different things that are going to open that door for them you know for me i had a lot of uh, spiritual, paranormal, I guess, experiences as a small child mm -hmm. at the, you know, and if I had been Catholic, you know, there's a whole framework for people asking for prayer if they're in purgatory and all this, that would have explained some of what I was experiencing. And, and my life probably would have been very different if I had, you know, I had tried to convert as a teenager. My parents were like, no, mm -hmm. um, you know, but for another person, you know, Harry Potter may do absolutely nothing for them. Yeah. You know, it may not be a temptation. It may not even open a door for them. It may be something entirely different. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, you know, we've talked about that, too. My experience is that demons are far more sophisticated and intelligent than that. And mm -hmm. yes, you can enter into alignment with them by playing around with Wicca or looking at your sun sign astrology in the latest issue of Cosmopolitan. But that's not been my experience of how they work. They, they look for our weaknesses and they look for our gifts. And they love our gifts. They love, they love our, gifts. our gifts even more <laughs> than our weaknesses. They, and they end up tying the two together. But mm. Pia had a gift as a child of being able to see things that others couldn't to feel things to experience things and they used that they used that mm -hmm. against her mm -hmm. and i for me my gift i guess was my mind is that i had this very curious mind i was always studying i was always trying to go deeply into things it was very philosophical even my approach mm -hmm. to psychology was always let's get down to what's really going on 
at the root, at the foundation, mm -hmm. and then we'll practically figure things out. And mm -hmm. they found that was their inroad for me, that mm -hmm. I could convince myself that everything that I was experiencing was, of course, just in my mind. It was just psychology. And the human psyche is vast and amazing mm -hmm. in so many ways. And therefore, when I talk about it now, and, and I'm circumspect with who I talk about it, I, I mean, I'm very open. I mean, I, I, I lied for so many years. I had a double life, both with sexual sins, occult sins, all these different things. So I don't lie about that anymore. I'm very open. People on Twitter who follow me, people in our parish, they know that this is the past that I came from. But I'm, mm -hmm. but I'm cautious as to how I talk about it. Sure. I tend to talk about it more philosophically, theoretically, theologically, mm -hmm. psychologically. Um, I usually try to avoid going into a lot of the overt details of what I did, how I did it, yes. when I did it, yeah. what I experienced. Um, because I had experiences that I think I could honestly say right now, I wish I'd never had. Yeah. That they haunt us. They haunt me. They do. You know, uh, when I was cut into Paula Mayombe, I, I still sometimes can dream about it. I can, mm -hmm. it's like a nightmare. It's, it's the first time I came face to face with what I would say was a demon right there in front of me. And, you know, at the time I wasn't scared. Now I'm smart enough to know to be scared. Yeah, That's yeah. the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, to the curious, you know, that, that's easy. Don't do it. It will ruin your life. It, it will ruin your life. Yeah. The goal is to ruin your life. It's a maliciousness that you cannot wrap your, I mean, we can't wrap our mind around it because it's not human. It's mm -hmm. not a human maliciousness. And it is, you know, it, it will haunt you. And I mean, it, it's, it's, it's horrible to have a wreck of a life and try to put it back together after these situations that we were in. I mean, converting to Catholicism was the most amazing thing. I love being a Catholic. And yet, like it's I've hard. told Bear, you know, I'm standing as a female and a wreck of a life that mm -hmm. I, that because of all, everything that I did, the choices that I thought I was making both in the occult and socially that were championed and were like, yeah, you're, you know, you're doing it and stuff. And it, it left me with, a just a wasteland to try to clean up yeah. you know so to curious people i would say it's not worth it <laughs> yeah, the, other, curious, the other thing you know, i would just... say is that no you're not smarter than they are mm -mm. no you're not that sophisticated you know we're not brilliant moderns who understand everything that happened in human history and oh look at how much better and smarter and more capable we are you know mm -hmm. they're smarter than you I mean, <laughs> they're yeah. pure spirit. They were made by God. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, it creates a wreck in your life. Mm -hmm. It does. I mean, I was, I was a military, I was a lieutenant. I was a major. I was a lieutenant colonel mm -hmm. in Satan's army. Yeah. And then five years ago, I left. And now it's not always be easy being Catholic and, and not because I feel drawn back to that or anything like that. But I think of it, I've, I've really come to relate a lot to St. Paul and have really, you know, I was taught in divinity school that St. Paul was horrible. I mean, he's the yeah. reason why uh, Christianity is just a patriarchal, anti-feminist, yeah. misogynistic religion that treats women horribly. Now yeah. I'm like, well, just go be a Catholic and you'll see how the feminine's really treated. Yeah, exactly. You know? But it it's I was one thing and now I'm another. Yeah. And that's a big shift and and I'm still going through it. But the people who knew us, our family, friends, I mean, we've lost a lot yeah. coming over, defecting. So what was I mean, um, I mean, this is the best way possible. You both strike sure. me as completely normal, regular people. Um, <laughs> yeah, what, what are nice people like you doing in a place like that, right? Yeah, well, what did your life like look like to the outside? Like, I assume you weren't walking around with broomsticks and, and horns taped to your head. 
Like, no. what did your lives look like on the outside when you were in the thick of this? You would never have known that I was an occultist. I uh, looked like a Buddhist and a kind of new age psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. I talked the talk. I had my own private practice. I, you know, had what appeared to be a decent life. I was married at the time. Uh, first marriage was really short and bad. Second marriage was long and bad. But at the time <laughs> I looked, you know, yeah. I, I looked like I had a normal life. It was, um, it was all illusion though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had secrets and I had shameful secrets and I had lies and, you know, I would see clients in the morning and then at night I would be in the bedroom naked doing a ritual, you know, and no one knew that I was doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there was a lot of, you can't escape the influence of, open sexuality and modern occultism you can say oh well i'm just going to look at this or i'm just going to dabble with that but if you go into it in any meaningful way you're expected to embrace all of the sexual sins of our post 60s revolutionary world Mm -hmm. and that's what it was i mean for me i I, that when i say that i lived a double life sexually and in the occult at a certain point they became one and the same Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, I uh, moved to California, San Francisco, uh, <laughs> and married somebody there, and moved out there to be a stepmom and and everything. Um, so it was a little bit different for me in that uh, people are much more open about alternative things there. You know, yeah. so I mean, you know, I would wear, you know, I'd wear my little pentagram, and all the people would be like, "Yeah, women's spirituality," you know, the <laughs> goddess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, and stuff. Um, my stepdaughter's mother was a Wiccan, uh, and birth mother was a, a Wiccan, and uh, had a, a her lesbian partner was also um, a Wiccan. And you know, the the funny thing, you know, people act like that Satan isn't equal to God, and that we have to be afraid of the evil and demonic and stuff. But the truth is, is that God is always in control of all of this, Amen. and He permits what happens. And so there I am thinking I'm like this feminist, which I hadn't gone into the really left-handed path stuff yet, Mm -hmm. but my stepdaughter had been raised with no context of Christianity because her mother had left a Methodist church or something. And so there I am, she's coming home from school and going, well, I have to write this paper, but they're talking about original sin. I don't know what that is. And I, so I I was constantly like having to share stuff about God with her and Jesus and that, because she did, she had no exposure to it. And I look back now and I kind of have to laugh because I recognize that, you know, that constant connection, even when I didn't realize it was there. Yeah. And so how, how, what is it like finding love in a cult? How did you guys end up meeting? Well, it's it's not love. love. It's not love. It's not love. Yeah, okay. So tell me about our, it. What, what happened? Our guardian angels knew that it could be love, and mm. they went, we need to get true. these two together. Mm-hmm. But when we first got together, it was nothing but sin. And there was... A physical attraction. Yeah. Say. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she looked at me like a piece of meat, and I couldn't say no. You know, I mean, that's, that's kind it's always of the, the woman, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, but, it, but, but it wasn't, Yeah, yeah. you know, we it thought was... it was and, and everything that our culture teaches us about attraction and love would have said, wow. I mean, people were, would see us together and they were like, you guys are so in love. You're so, you have you such know, chemistry, such a such connection and everything said, and stuff like that. But we didn't really learn how to respectfully try to treat each other until we became Catholics, you know, and we entered into this very strict chastity uh, with our priest, this agreement, you know, with our priest and before God. Yeah, as we're going through the annulments and it's taking longer due to my health, COVID, COVID, all the stuff that had come up. You know, but uh, it wasn't until then that we really could acknowledge and, and recognize the kind of love that we've been able to, to develop, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and that's the sad thing about stuff like that. Yeah. So was there a point where you realized, oh, no, I'm in this terrible thing? Uh, was there like a point where you knew that you had to get out or 
how did it go from this is a thing you're kind of a part of sliding more and more into to something needs to change was there something like that it was me it was well, me first yeah it well, was yeah it was it was because we <laughs> well we went through we went through all of that financial stuff and and i had a an, another acute phase of the illness that i now deal with chronically and I, I have good months and I have bad weeks and, you know, it's just what is what it is now. And um, about five, six years ago, and at the time, everything was just going bad. My father died suddenly. We were struggling with work and financial stuff. Um, we, our landlady, I had lived in that house for 11 years and she was going to have to go into a nursing home and so her family were going to sell off the house right out from underneath us and they weren't going to rent to us anymore mm -hmm. and uh so we were told yeah you've got three months to vacate and we were like we don't know where we're going to go and quite literally god said you know i'll give you another chance <laughs> and uh we we laugh about i i think one of the first sermons i heard in catholic church was about the uh, fig tree that was not producing tree. fruit and the mm -hmm. gardener kept saying well just one more year one more year well we were, like, we were at last. our last we were at our last year yeah. i mean they were ready to cut us down they were it was like and, one more year and then all of a sudden we were out of the inner city of phoenix and we were up in north scottsdale and we found this wonderful little apartment and suddenly we were driving around she likes her latte and i like looking at sunsets and we were driving around in the desert and everything and i'd been thinking i'd been dreaming i'd been reflecting and i'd been reading a lot i'd gotten back into philosophy and that led me back to aristotle who i loved and then the next thing you know i was back to aquinas mm -hmm. who i'd fallen in love with in college and I like to say that Aquinas said, well, okay, if the only way I can reach you is through your mind, then let's get going. Hmm. And I turned to her driving and I said, you know, how would you feel if we looked for a church to go to? Hmm. And uh, surprisingly, like, yeah, okay. she, she didn't freak <laughs> out. She was like, yeah, okay. And I was like, are you serious? All right. And, and I thought, well, she's Southern Baptist and, you know, I can't go to the Episcopal church. It's a hotbed of feminism and paganism now. And it was nothing <laughs> like my youth. And I was like, I, I, I'm too conservative to do that. So and who everything. started talking to me about these mega churches? Mega these churches. We have a mega, mega church, church And I'm going, us. you're going to hate that. And I was like, well, I might like it. I mean, I might. Of course, I, I wouldn't have, but... <laughs> And so this went on for a few weeks. We looked at some churches. I watched some videos of the mega churches and I was like, I don't know. And I'm confused. And so we're talking again another night. And I'm like, so, and Pia goes, well, what are you looking for? What do you think? What do you feel? What, do you, what, what, what are you leaning towards? And so I, she pulled it out of me in her inimitable way. And then she just looks at me very just calmly. And she goes, well, honey, you're Catholic. Yeah, you're looking for the Catholic Church. You just described the Catholic Church. And it was yeah. like tumblers in a lock just suddenly went <laughs> boom. And I went, my God, you're right. I am Catholic. <laughs> and and I I had almost converted to Catholicism in high school. Well, I, was, yeah. uh, I was in Germany as an exchange student. And you can't visit the Soviet bloc and not come back to West Germany and go, something's evil over there. And at the time, I was still... I was still very, you know, I was still spiritually seeking. I, I wasn't an avowed atheist at that point yet. As mm -hmm. my parents say, I was, I was still a good boy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I went to the priest and he's like, I don't care that you just turned 18. You're an American. You're not going to be here. I'm not going to, I'm not yeah. going to go through the process of, you know, baptizing and confirming you. Yeah. So we then um, mm -hmm. just kind of allowed things to happen we were coming back from a doctor's appointment and we had looked at some parishes in our neighborhood in our area there were about what four or five i think in kind of geographic proximity to us and we were avoiding some traffic haha and made a mm -hmm. left instead of going straight and the next thing you know i'm like oh hey there's blessed sacrament that's one of the parishes i was looking at 
She's like, oh, that's cool. I'm like, hey, let's turn in. And I just whipped into the parking lot. She's like, it's after five. No one's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Went in. Lady was still in the office. And she's like, well, I think the director of education might still be back in his office. I'll check. Mm-hmm. He was. He spent almost two hours with us two that hours night. With us. His really? wife came and went and everything else talking to us about, you know, going through the process of converting. And a month later we were in RCIA. And it was so funny because, I mean, he was so apologetic. I mean, he'd be like, well, now, you know that you guys are going to have to go through this annulment. Pro- I mean, everything he would tell us that you could just tell he was like, well, this is going to be the deal breaker. Yeah. And I was, you know, he's like, like, no, no, you, that's okay. You, you're right going to have to stop having sex until you get that annulment. We're like, we're like, okay, okay we can do that. <laughs> and he's <laughs> like, you're, like, you're okay. going to have to give up all the occult stuff. That you still because at that time we still had it all. We had the book, oh, yeah. the paraphernalia, all the all stuff. All over we, the house. I mean, you don't do that for that many years and not just have it like everywhere, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was it. We we entered RCIA in August of 2017, and I, they weren't prepared for people like us. The RCIA program. Ask. I'm very curious. <laughs> Well, the the parish is a good parish, a strong mm-hmm. and faithful parish. They they are a little bit more on the liberal side. They mm-hmm. I would say that they would be, they would look at Tai Chi and yoga and go, well, why can't you do that? I sure. mean, as a Catholic, you know, yeah. and um, the director of the RCA was getting his theology degree. He was working on his doctorate, uh, mm-hmm. I think, at Berkeley, GTU Berkeley. Mm-hmm. A smart man, very interested. And he and I talked a lot, but after a while, you know, we would be talking about demons in class and we'd say, well, they're real. And then he's more like, well, you know, they're, they're kind of not. It's really they're... just, you know, it's more like a mental <laughs> illness. It's a personification. Like, I've seen like, them. I've seen yeah, them in my eyes. <laughs> no, they're really real. Wait, you know? time yeah. out for a second. Time out for a second. Because I, sure. I want to circle back to something real quick. Uh-huh. What do you attribute that openness to? So you're, you're like... You go from doing all the occult stuff to being like, eh, let's find a church. Hey, I think we like Catholic stuff. To you turn into a church <laughs> and they start very kindly laying out the rules for you. And you're like, yeah, sure. That's a crazy kind of openness to me. It would, what was going on? Um, do you want to go first? I can go first. I would okay. say that, um, and I'm going to speak for you because I love you, that um, <laughs> he is... <laughs> This is an audio format, but the smirk Pia gave was. was... (laughs) Pia is one of the most courageous women I've ever met. And in a genuine sense, Um, she's been the most willing of any partner I've ever known. And sadly, I have had a lot of lovers who has been willing to look at herself and say, this isn't working. I need to do something different. Hmm. And. I've always been that way myself. I am not someone traditionally or historically in my life to go, yeah, this, this is bad, but I'm going to keep doing it. Hmm. And we went through some really bad stuff. And for me, I think that the death of my father was a big motivator. Hmm. My um, dad, like I said, was always kind of a, a Gnostic. Yeah. Um, but I found out from my mom after he died that during some of his last health crises over the last couple of years, um, he he died and came back. Hmm. And he claimed that he met Jesus hmm. and it changed his life. He he went through the Episcopal deacon training and he became very, very active in church. My dad was, let's go to Christmas, let's go to Easter, but otherwise I'm sleeping in on Sunday. I'm going to read Jung when I get up. kind of Christian. And my mom, bless her, had been an alcoholic. And when everything went to hell for her, she finally turned back to God. And I couldn't keep doing what I had been doing. I had reached an age I'd reached a level of maturity and I'd like to think a little bit of wisdom to go, you know, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't keep doing this. I'm, uh, I try to tell the world that I'm happy, but I'm, I'm actually miserable. I try to 
tell the world that I'm successful, but I feel like a fraud inside, you know, that, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't keep telling people that the things that I'm seeing in culture, that now my field of psychology is telling me I have to applaud and I have mm -hmm. to encourage are good things that it's not good to make your mental health issues, the focus of your identity and something to applaud for, mm. you know, that, you know, men and women who are confused about their biological sex and their mind, that's a dysphoria. And it's not something that we should as a culture make acceptable. I mean, it, it became very professional, political, something is wrong here and it's on a big scale. I mean, I had counseled, I can't tell you the number of couples that I'd counseled and said things like, well, I'm a clinical sexologist. You know, if you feel like you're bisexual, you should go and explore this. Mm. You know, oh, well, y'all are pregnant. Well, it's okay. Of course it's okay. It's your choice. You can have an abortion. Mm. And pushing 50, I was like, no, this isn't okay. <laughs> Yeah. I made a mistake. I, I wasn't giving good advice. I wasn't, I don't know where the advice was coming from outside of I was making mistakes all over. So yeah, at that point, I um, might have been something I read in Aquinas, and, and I think it was in one of his sermons. And he talked about, in a sense, taking a risk for God, being willing to just leap to just have trust, you know, to allow yourself to fall backwards and know that he's there and he's going to catch you. Yeah. So I did. Yeah. And then Pia, so you were totally cool with the going to church thing to you even yeah. point out, Hey, you sound kind of Catholic. And so it yeah. was, what was going on with you? Well, it was kind of funny, you know, because we entered the church and everybody just assumed that one of us was Catholic already and neither right. of us were. And so that yeah. alone was a little bit bizarre to yeah. people. Mm -hmm. um, but my step-grandfather, who I consider my grandfather, was Catholic and he mm -hmm. was devoutly Catholic. He and his family mm -hmm. had something like nine or ten kids and three were nuns and one was a priest. That's how Catholic <laughs> yeah. the family was. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I had that kind of on my periphery. I mean, I spent a lot of time over there with my grandparents. And so sometimes when I was little, he would take me to mass and stuff. And, and he was, he was just one of those quiet, he was a quiet Catholic. He was, he was just steadfast in what he did. He never, ever missed mass, even though he had gotten divorced. And at that time they wouldn't let him, you know, take communion. He still went wow. every Sunday, you know, and stuff. And he didn't really talk about it. I mean, he just lived his Catholicism. And that was so profoundly in a, in a really nutty family. It was this profoundly calming thing, presence for me. Um, so what I guess what maybe what Bear wasn't aware was happening with me is I had really, really just walked into the darkness. And, and you know, and I'm like, I am one of those where angels feel, fear to tread kind of people with things. I mean, I was just like, I didn't try to go through any kind of like, try, I'm going to be safe about this. I mean, once I decided to go dark, I mean, you know, it was <laughs> go big or go home kind of thing. Yeah. And I was, um, I was really beginning to sense the maliciousness that was there behind what was being presented to me as friendship and support the Santeria thing that I, you know, the, the house that I had been in like completely blew up, um, in some strange ways. And, uh, and I was really beginning to recognize that there was something <laughs> seriously wrong with what I was doing with me, with me, mm -hmm. that I, that I was changing in some fundamental ways as a result of what was happening. And I didn't, I didn't like it. And I was getting a little bit afraid of what was starting to take place. And when we got out of that house, um, you know, the house had a very oppressive kind of feeling to it and yeah. a lot of bad things. It was a rental house for a very long time. And we knew the people who rented there before. And I mean, some really bad stuff had gone down. Drugs, suicide. I mean, there were some yeah, dark stuff. And it seemed like when we got out of the house, it cleared the fog a little bit. You know, it was like a real breath of fresh air. And so when Bear said, hey, what would you think about finding a church? 
you know, I was just like, you know, I, I think that that could be something really, really good. And I don't think at that point I thought it was going to be what it turned out to be. I mean, I think at the time it was just like, let's find a church, you know, and stuff. I had no idea how radically different I was going to become as a result of that decision, you know, to move forward. And then when we were talking that night, you know, and, and I knew Bear wasn't going to be happy in one of those. He's just not the temperament <laughs> to go to a megan church. <laughs> I'd say that with all love. Um, you know, um, it, it was just, it was like you said, it just felt right. I mean, we were talking about it and I was like, I really felt like that's where God wanted us. Yeah. And I felt like no. because I had gotten baptized at a very young age, younger than usually those Baptist churches will even allow. Right. I mean, I had to go up in front of like the pastor and deacons and be questioned. I think I was like five or six and they <laughs> had to ask me like all these questions. And they finally went to my parents and they were like, well, she has an understanding for her age of this. We can't tell her no. It would be mm-hmm. wrong for us not to do it. Yeah. And I believe that that gave me a modicum of protection so that all the occult stuff I was doing, I was only allowed to go so far. I always mm-hmm. had a buffer. And I would, have, I would agree with that. You yeah. know, and so it wasn't until I was fully confirmed that, you know, okay, now I have this full protection and everything, you know. And uh, I didn't know what was in store for us at that point. And I went through a really rough time that first year looking at the life that I had and what grieving what I, the choices that I didn't make. I mean, you know, I, I chose not to have children. And so now I'm not a mom and I, I don't really necessarily feel connected at all times with kind of the social structure with, you know, people that in our parish and stuff. But I recognize that the story that, that I have, the path that I walked and I can't even believe my guardian angel didn't just quit. I mean, anybody who looked at me at birth and said, I'm willing to do this with this woman is like, I can't even imagine Mm. Um, that I have, I had that experience and I have the certainty of faith that I don't have to question what's real and what isn't, you know, I don't have to waste my time and energy with that because I know that we're in a spiritual battle all the time Mm -hmm. and it's okay. You know, it's okay. It's not scary. It's not anything like that. And I see that now that that is a massive gift because I believe, you know, with the rise of these alternative religions in our culture, that the Catholic Church eventually, sooner probably rather than later, is going to start having a massive influx of people like us Mm. with the backgrounds that we have who were not raised Christian, who are, it's like the early church. It's like what Paul was experiencing and, you know, with the pagan culture around him. And maybe it's a good thing ultimately that I have Mm. that, you know, because God does use everything. Yeah. So you guys were causing a ruckus in RCIA, making sure that uh, they taught you the right things. (laughs) Well, we we ended. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) No, I was going to say we, we, we caused a ruckus for sure. And we had to, it was frustrating because we had to look elsewhere for guidance and it wasn't there um we knew what was being taught to us in a lot of ways i mean i'd gone to two years of divinity school she had worked on a master's in religion this wasn't new for us you know a different understanding as catholics but we still knew scripture we still knew tradition i mean i'd read aquinas and i wasn't even catholic (laughs) you know so and there was also not a lot of people seem to take seriously the the satanic paranormal the occult stuff right you know and um and we tried to say you know look weird stuff happens around us because of this and it will impact friends and family and groups that we're in and stuff because they they haven't let go they -hmm. don't like to lose Mm -hmm. and They've got a long time. They're like, oh, okay, you're you've gone back to God. Well, you know, you've still got thirty or so years left in you. Well, we we still got time. We're playing the long game, as Pia mm-hmm. said. And weird stuff did start happening for us and in our parish and with our priest. Our, our priest literally left the priesthood within wow. the first year that we were there. He ran away, mm-hmm. and then when they finally found him, he was like, I, I can't do this anymore, and he left. Mm-hmm. And it's. Yeah, I was it trying was to go in and actually you. talk to one of the priests who seemed to take more seriously when I shared with him what I'd been involved in. 
And uh, I was going to go talk to him on a more deep level. And he uh, tore his vocal cord and didn't, uh, the day that we were going to have the appointment, I never even knew what happened. He just didn't contact me. And I was like, well, did he just blow me off or whatever? And he couldn't talk for weeks after that. I mean, they thought he had throat cancer and everything else. So, you know, so we had some little things. I mean, in retrospect, I think that, you know, it's like you look at something like that and you're like, well, was that bad? You know, I think it was protection for me because I don't think that was the right time to talk, you know, and, and it was harmless for him. I mean, he, yeah. it didn't leave any, you know, any danger. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the time I was like, what was this bad, you know, and stuff. But now yeah. I look at it and I go, well, it was just how it was meant to go, yeah. you know. And those first couple of years were really about letting go of all of our past. And whether we liked it or not, I mean, a car accident got rid of a car that came about through satanic means, you know, through (laughs) blood magic and stuff. I mean, literally had to let go of everything, everything, everything. So did you find a a mentor or a priest or someone to kind of help you with this stuff? Or were you guys kind of on your own in this? We were on our own. Yeah. Yep. Still looking. <laughs> yeah. <listening. laughs> I, we're we're yeah. at a different parish, mm-hmm. and we've got a good priest. Um, he is incredibly overworked. Yeah. Um, he's I can't I can't remember the official title, but he's also like the head of all the priests in our district. Oh yeah. yeah. called like dicastery, uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. And he also helps um, interview priests for the seminary here locally who are going into the priesthood and the Diocese yeah, yeah. of Phoenix. So, I mean, the poor man, I mean, he never sleeps. And so it yeah, can be very difficult to um, to connect with him when, yeah. we, when we've needed to and everything. But we've had um, associate pastors come in and out. We've only really been in a parish for, what, three years, two or three years. And... Mm-hmm. I haven't, we haven't been to mass and been at our parish in over a year now due to my health and COVID. Yeah. With the COVID and yeah, we before that, we went through a car accident and I was pretty banged up more so than Pia, thank God. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we weren't around then and, and stuff, mm-hmm. but, but we've got a good connection with some people, but yeah. No, it's, it, it's hard it's... to get people to take it seriously. Yeah, sure. I mean, my first Catholic friend that I made, I used to do adoration. We'd be back to back. And so we'd talk, mm-hmm. you know, on our way in and out. And uh, I can remember I told her at one point, just matter of fact, like she was asking me some questions about our, what I've been doing before. And I mentioned being pagan. And she was like, pagan? She's like, is that a thing? There's really pagans out there? And I'm like, uh, it's such a big <laughs> yeah. religion that they have a tax exemption now in their own seminary. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's up and coming, you know, and, and stuff. So a lot of people who are, you know, have, have had the, the wonderful blessing of growing up Catholic yeah. and being insulated like that, you know, it can be a shock. And so you know, a lot of people, it, it can be very hard. I mean, even when I've talked to some priests and been like, you know, well, I'm really concerned about, because actions have consequences. Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't think that I've been forgiven. You know, I've confessed all of this and gone through that. And I know that I'm forgiven, but I also know that actions have consequences. You know, yeah. it's just like, um, I made those choices and I can't even say that I was ignorant and completely unsaved because, you know, I yeah. knew what I was doing when I did it. and I still kind of get a, I can get a kind of a platitude sometimes from just kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you know, you're, you're fine. I mean, you know, God has forgiven you and just, you know, don't think about it and stuff. But then I always, I'm like, yeah, but, but is there anything else I need to be doing? You know what I mean? It's yeah, just kind of yeah, yeah. a nagging thing. Yeah. yeah. So we're coming to the end of our time, but I want to ask yeah. you two more questions. Uh, first question for both of you is what was Easter vigil like when you were uh, welcomed to the church fully? <laughs> Go ahead. You go first, Pia. It was an amazing thing. I mean, I think I cried through the whole thing. I felt so... (laughs) One of the things that my past did for me is it made me really recognize the sacrifice that's been made for me and how that grace is something that is is given to me every day. I mean, I don't deserve it. You know, I, I can't believe that I have it. And, you know, I took the name... For my saint name is St. Catherine of Siena and Padre Pio. Pio is, is feminine for nice, Pio. Yeah. Pio. And uh, at the time, you know, I told I told Barrett when we first went in, well, I don't really feel drawn to Padre Pio. And, and then he's just become this, 
you know, incredible mm-hmm. spiritual father for me. And, you know, and, uh, and he, I didn't realize this then, but it's like, he, I often feel that he goes to the mass with me, you know, mm-hmm. and that he taught me to really feel that sacrifice when it's time for the, for the Eucharist and, and stuff and how, how to view it and stuff. So it was, it was really emotional. And it was also a mix. There were a couple of things where it was like, obviously my former playmates were not happy. And so a couple of things did kind of come up that tinted, tried to take the joy of the day away, yeah. you know, and stuff, but it was, it was amazing. What about you? Um, I'm on the ASD spectrum and I don't do well with relationships and I <laughs> tend to not talk about feelings because as Pia says, I'm kind of a robot teddy bear. I, I, oh, <laughs> do I have them? Oh yes, I guess I do. It's, um, it's hard to put uh, feelings on a spreadsheet. Is a... Yes, it is. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. And I'm, I tend to approach everything with my mind, with yeah. intellect. And so, I mean, <laughs> few days before the Easter vigil, I'm arguing with my RCA director about the real presence and transubstantiation <laughs> in theology, modern and traditional. True you know, that, that's how it is for me. And yeah. um, so that night when things got started, I, I mean, I, I also, because I put things on the spreadsheet and I analyze things, I, I know what's right, I know what's wrong, I know what's good, I know what's bad, I know what this should be and that shouldn't be. And stuff, and there were some, there were some interesting things that were going on, from choices of music to uh, different things <laughs> like that. And yes, but I, I had the most amazing thing happen. I had a blood sugar crash. I, I deal with an endocrine disorder now, and uh, and I wasn't expecting it, and I don't think they were either. And 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 P is like turning to the to the woman who assisted in RCA. And she's like, you know, you're going to have to get something for him. He's not going to make it through the night. Do you have any juice or anything? And this woman on admittedly, she and I did not get along. We didn't see eye to eye. (laughs) We had both been in the therapy field, but we were in very different camps. (laughs) Let's just leave it at that. But she was forced to have to show me a mothering instinct that I don't know if she particularly wanted to do. And I was forced to accept it. Wow. And when I did, my mind shut off mm. and I was in the experience and I cried mm-hmm. and I probably hadn't cried in public in 30 years, Well, but I was in tears and I, I, I couldn't see what was going on around me. The priest is like, no, go over there, stand, stand over there. And my eye, I mean, I was so just, my dry eyes were wet. And I, I was like, I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and it was beautiful yeah, and powerful. And I, man, did I feel the heat of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I, I felt like yeah, I was on fire. You. And it wasn't always a comfortable fire. It was sure. purging in the same way. And I think I knew at that point, wow, I've only just begun. Yeah. And this is this is the beginning. This isn't the end of a journey. This is actually the beginning of one. And mm-hmm. I've got a lot still ahead of me. And I didn't know at the time what that would be. Car accidents, nearly dying after surgery, you know, all kinds of other fun stuff. But it wasn't an intellectual experience and almost yeah. everything that I had done, my approach to the occult, all the Buddhist stuff had been so in here. I'm looking for something intellectually. I, I am looking for something philosophically and God was like, enough of that. Let me show you what I can really do. Mm-hmm. And so that Easter vigil is a memory of feelings and body experiences yeah. and, and heat and tears and I couldn't tell you what really happened in the service. I don't remember it. <laughs> I don't remember anything. If someone was like, well, explain the ritual, the liturgy, and how it compared Novus Ordo to traditional and blah, blah. I'd be like, yeah, I don't have a clue. I wasn't <laughs> there in my head. I was yeah. there in my heart. Mm-hmm. And and that was that was when I was absolutely, if there was any doubt still left in my mind, that it was dispelled that night. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Uh, so final question. 
I think probably most of the people who um, listen to this uh, podcast are kind of your average Catholics or those trying mm -hmm. to learn more, trying to grow deeper. Um, some may have an experience similar to you. Um, they certainly haven't emailed us yet. Uh, but what would you say to uh, the regular Catholic who's trying to learn more, who has heard your story? Um, do you have any final words for those good people or any final bits of advice or if you can't think of anything, what do you really like about being Catholic? Give us, give us, give us a final good word. Go ahead. If you want um, to plug anything, if you want to, if you're selling anything, if you're a part of an MLM, you can plug that too. Um, well, let's see. First of all, yeah, I'm, I'm an artist and a designer and, uh, I'm on Twitter at Catherine Pia. So you can, you know, check me out there, follow me there. I'll be having a Patreon hopefully up soon and all yeah. that good stuff. Um, if I were going to say some, if I was going to say something to listeners, I would say, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. No matter how it looks, no matter what is going on in your life, don't be afraid. You know, be brave, be bold with your Catholicism. Never, ever hold back with it. It is a beautiful gift and we are not supposed to be afraid and we shouldn't be afraid. The, about what's happening around us, no matter how scary it is, you know, that and that there's nothing that you have done in your life that God does not have grace for. Yeah. Don't hesitate going to confession. Don't hold back loving God. Don't think that you're not good enough. Any of those things, because it's just simply not true. Perfect. Bear, can you follow that up? Oh, I don't know. That was a, that was a hard <laughs> thing to follow up. <laughs> Because I agree with so much of it. Um, you can, uh, my confirmation name is Thomas Pius and uh, drawn to uh, Thomas Aquinas and to Pius X, uh, which I'm sure tells you a lot about where I come from with things, how I view the church <laughs> and how I view modern times. Um, uh, you can follow me at Aquinas Bear. I'm also on Twitter. Um, bear has pretty much been the nickname since birth for me, and that's my nomenclature all around. Nice. Uh, I've shifted from therapy to uh, coaching, uh, still finding my footing and stuff. I've always been in private practice entrepreneur, but I also do tech work and, and things. So I'm kind of going through some transitions right now. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing to plug in the way that Pia does at this moment, <laughs> but you can certainly reach out to me and I'm always glad to talk to someone, someone who's in the field of psychology who might be struggling because they're Catholic in a very mm -hmm. secular and pagan field now that promotes a lot of evil that's hidden as good. And I'm always willing to talk to people and uh, try to advise when I can. Um, don't be afraid is, is wonderful. I mean, it's, but don't sit on your ass either. I mean, you, you need to, you need to be active in your faith. You need to, your heart's got to be involved. And for some of us getting that heart involved is easier than others. Uh, and you know what? God's okay with that. I, God said, okay, well you, you go through your head, you're a robot. Well, let's give you a new program, you know? And, so trust that. I mean, and, and, and you've got to have intellectual understanding as well as you do heartfelt faith. You've got to have both. You, you can't, uh, I meet a lot of cradle Catholics who right now they'll tell me that they're reverts mm -hmm. and it's because they weren't catechized. They didn't, they don't know their faith. Sometimes I'll meet a Catholic who has been doing this for their whole life. And I'll be like, well, what do you think of this saint? And they're like, I didn't know that guy was a saint. Yeah. Or, well, what do you think about this theological position? Well, that's not a part of the church. Well, yeah, it is actually, you know, and know your faith again, be willing to debate it, argue it, you know, don't be afraid of conflict. I think we're afraid of conflict and we're in a spiritual battle as long as we're on this planet as long as we're in this mortal life and it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be this like okay i'm in the trenches of world war one and i never get a break yeah but at the same time you know don't shy away from it uh don't shy away from the difficult conversations uh you know we don't it's we don't always have to get along but still we can love each other yeah 
you know, we don't have to always agree on things, but we can still go, but we're in the boat together. Yeah. And we're all trying to get to salvation and we're all trying to become saints. Some of us are going to have, you know, a little bit further down the line. Some of us <laughs> have got a lot more to overcome from our past. Sure. You know, if, if I'm dangling my feet over the fires of hell and I'm sitting on the lowest rung of purgatory, if all, I'll be happy. You know, <laughs> <given my past. laughs> I made it. <laughs> wonderful. All right, guys. Thank you so, so, so much. This was wonderful. Um, thank you. And I love you both. Thanks for sharing your story. Um, you, so buddy. now I'm going to do the outro spiel. Okay, here we go. Thank you for listening. You can find. Oh, wait. I forgot the script. I should do this with Harrison. Thank you for listening. Oh, yes. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends about the podcast. And tell your enemies, too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me hopefully doing more fun interviews like this with great people. And you can find the podcast at clericallyspeaking.com. Uh, if you donate to our Patreon, all that money goes to uh, the money goes to equipment, to paying our producers. Not everything extra goes to the Daughters of St. Paul. So until next time, guys, peace.